You're listening to The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. The Hero of the Story helps you study and teach the story of redemption from all Scripture. Now join your hosts, Aaron Armstrong and Brian Dembozik. Hey there, I'm Aaron, and welcome to a special best of episode of The Hero of the Story. As we gear up for season two, we're representing some of our favorite conversations from the first season. Today, we're sharing our conversation with Trevin Wax on a more philosophical debate. Does the concept of gospel centrality transcend theological perspectives? Listen in as we discuss how movements start, but don't always stay in one theological camp, how we can avoid tribalism, and the hope that maybe there won't be a need for a qualifier like gospel-centered in the future. We want to talk about this whole idea of gospel centrality, and specifically, um, does gospel centrality uh, transcend theological perspectives? And what better way to address um, a potentially hot button topic than to bring you in? Oh, that? so you you wait and you hold the more controversial the topics yeah. before absolutely. you bring me on? Okay, absolutely. no, I totally get that. We want that you makes in total the hot sense. Seat. Yeah. So Trevor, we're just going to sit back and listen to you talk for 30 minutes. No, we're not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think I'm ready to talk. To, I do have a quick answer to that question. All right. All right. So do, does gospel centrality transcend, what'd you say? Theological, Theological perspectives. perspectives. Yes. Yes. Yes, because, it, okay, here's the reason the answer has to be yes to that. Uh, there's, no, there's no other way to understand church history as, apart from the fact that gospel centrality must go beyond and transcend our denominational histories, our theological, particular theological streams mm-hmm. within the Christian church, because otherwise you're basically locked into thinking that whatever narrow gr- group that you find yourself a part of that you would say is gospel-centered, that you would say that's, that's it. That's where true gospel centrality is. Um, so... You know, that it very easily. I think the answer is yes. It transcends not just theological perspectives, but denominational distinctives as well. But part of that, of course, goes back to how you're defining gospel centrality. That's true. That's true. So, Trevin, how would you define gospel centrality? Well, um, I wrote a little book on that uh, yeah. on gospel centered teaching. No, but really, it comes down to and uh, trying to unpack that for people. Uh, because I th- here here we gotta we gotta understand this is a buzzword. Yes. So absolutely. gospel everything, gospel centered this, gospel centered that. Gospel is an adjective uh, is is certainly a buzzword in in today's world. And there are worse buzzwords to have. So I'm not like you know anti, sure. not anti gospel as you know uh, popular word. Um, but um, in I, I had I have noticed, and the reason I wrote gospel centered teaching was I noticed there were people who were like, you know, of course I want to be centered on the gospel, but what does that really yeah. mean? Mm-hmm. You know, I hear my pastor saying that, or I hear someone, a church leader, or maybe someone I like to listen to say that. And so um, I, I'm, I'm trying to boil it down to um, a, a few uh, very simple things. One, it's teaching that connects uh, whatever passage of the Bible that you're studying to the grand narrative of Scripture. Mm-hmm. So this uh, obviously goes along with the Gospel Project because we're walking through the, you know, we're taking a journey through the Bible's grand narrative. Yeah. Um, so showing how all the Bible connects 
and how Jesus is at the center of that. So that's the, the, the first thing. The, the second thing would be application that's offered is connected back and, see, and is seen as flowing yeah. from the gospel. So you, you have the, the gospel of Jesus crucified and raised is at the center of scripture, at the center of our, of our um, teaching, but then any application that comes from that calls to people to obedience and all of that needs to be grounded and rooted in in that uh that message so so that's the the second big component and then the third big component that i i think is necessary is this orientation toward mission uh toward you know what does the gospel call us to do or how does the bible equip us to live on mission for for christ's kingdom because the gospel is a story of god as a missionary god who sends his son and his son comes to seek and save the lost and so you have this this missionary impulse that is really is rooted in the very nature of god and comes out in the in the gospel itself so i think those three elements put them together and i think you have a really good grasp i'm not saying that's all that it is but you have a really good grasp at what we're talking about when we talk about uh, gospel centrality what it means to be centered on the gospel yeah absolutely yeah, I agree. I'm sorry, Aaron just looked at me like I, that was my cue to say something. I just firm, I fully agree with that. Okay, so is anything? Right. Here's my yeah, question: so, Did yeah. anything I just mentioned there to you guys strike you as like a perspective of just one theological group or one no, denomination think, or anything like that? And I think what you said earlier, Trevin, was was spot on. That if we are to contend that my theological camp, my mind in isolation, is the only one that is, is gospel centered, as you said, that that presupposes that man. Everybody, all faithful believers in all of history from the New Testament forward held to my exact system of thinking. That's a little bit arrogant. Um, or, as you said, or nobody was gospel-centered and still my Until camp. our group showed up. Right. You know, that's even, actually even more arrogant. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think with humility, we've got to recognize the issue is not um, whether we are gospel-centered alone and you are not, but how do we express that? Yeah. Um, how do we live that out? Like that mission, for example, how do we live out what it looks like to be on mission? That There's room for differences there as long as we share that belief, that core belief that we must be on mission. Right. Well, now, it, it, it sometimes is the case that certain revivals of certain thought or um, aspects of, of theological, uh, of our own heritage in Christianity do wind up flourishing in certain segments of the church before they, they you know, grow into other segments. So, for example, if you think back to the you know 1970s, 1980s, you know there was it, there was really a spirit-filled kind of thing. Yeah. So spirit-filled this, spirit-filled that. Spirit, it was kind of like the spirit was a buzzword, like the gospel is a buzzword. Right. And that was happening in a lot of um, non-denominational and some charismatic circles at the time. Um, and and really, you you saw that. I, I'm thinking of. You know, fresh wind, fresh fire, and you think yeah. you think of like this kind of stuff was happening in that in that, but uh, um, that sort of side of the evangelical church at the time, but certainly that didn't mean that the rest of evangelicalism was not spirit filled. What eventually happened, though, is you see through a lot of the worship music that came out of that and whatnot, it eventually, the entire evangelical movement was, I think in most cases, um, uh, has benefited yeah. from some of those emphases that showed up in one wing of the, the church. And, but it would have been a mistake, though, to say you have to be a Pentecostal yeah. to be spirit-filled. Now, some groups say that. 
um, or you would have to be, you know, and, and so similar with the gospel centrality stuff, um, it, it seems like a lot of the, the recent energy around it in the past 15 years or so has been a lot in the, what's been known as the like, young restless reform movement and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it would be a mistake to say gospel centrality belongs to that group. Or is in, isolated to Or is isolated yeah, to that right. group. I think instead it's better to say, okay, this sort of wing of the Christian church right now has really, you know, is... It, has really latched on to a real uh, what we'd say is a, a key part of of just solid Christian teaching, yeah. and hopefully, and I think we're seeing it happen. Is you're seeing, and I'm seeing this in language from uh, authors and writers and preachers from all different streams. You see people moving to, to you know to a lot of these truths that are that were sort of rediscovered and kind of the energy was around in that movement it's all throughout evangelicalism and, and i think that's what we see when the church is at its best we we look at one another through that lens of humility and learn from one another and say i may not agree with everything this camp or this group or this denomination or whatever stands for but here's some things that they they're doing right that we can yeah. learn from that's when we're at our best absolutely um, Conversely, for at, at risk of hyperbole, we're at our worst when we do the opposite. When we dig in our, our heels and say, "No, this I've got a corner on the truth, this alone, and you have to be just like me, or else I'm going to reject you." Well, and that's that's actually something that um, our founding editor uh, Ed Stetzer has talked about pretty extensively in uh, in a fairly recent book. Too, um, his uh, Christians in the Age of Outrage. Um, just this this whole idea that um, in order to be faithful, you have to be like me. Mm-hmm. And um, increasingly, that seems to be a challenge that we have as um, as believers in this particular time and place that um, we can't seem to just get along with e- with each other and agree on, like, as long as we understand that we agree on, on the major what's, things, what's yeah. most important. What kind of what kind of guidance would you offer, Trevin, um, to to leaders who are wrestling with that, who are who are frustrated with that that kind of posture of us versus them that um, we're increasingly we've increasingly seen, say, over the last five years or so? Um, are you talking about pol- politically or theologically? Because um, I mean, politically, I well, think is a big, yeah, <laughs> it's certainly that, that a big part of, so part of that let's challenge. Limit it to, let's limit it to theologically. theologically. Um, well, I think leaders that are frustrated with the sort of theological tribalism, if we can say that, yeah. are generally not the ones who are going to be most uh, at risk. I, I, I don't think at risk for being unnecessarily combative. Mm-hmm. I think it's the people who love that fight. Um, and who who really enjoy that? I'm not talking about good debate. That happens. That that and that should happen. But, yeah. You know, but it, because it's not. So there's on the one side, we we live in a relativistic age where it's like we all can't we all just get along and let's just put aside our differences and all pretend that we're really all on the same page on every corner. I think that's ridiculous, and that's actually part of what is leading to some of the tribalism is because it's so unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the I, I love the Chesterton quote. You knew I was going to quote Chesterton at some point. Um, the Chesterton quote. You know, the only problem with a quarrel is that it interrupts a good argument. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you ought to know how to have a good argument you know yeah. being able to actually debate something um quarrel is when it gets really personal and gets really nasty really quickly um so so i i don't i'm not a you know i don't think the answer is relativism where we just basically you know paper over or flatten out all of the distinctives at the same time though we we need to to be careful that we're not holding too tightly to certain things that christians have had legitimate disagreements on for 
uh, for a long, long time. I mean, right. I, 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 I get tickled sometimes when I see uh, online on either social media or blogs or whatnot where someone will write a, a post that's like the definitive takedown of, you know, the, the Wesleyan view of the second blessing or of the <laughs> Calvinist view of predestination or what. I'm yeah. like, okay, if some of these things have been debated about by church members and, and Christians who love Jesus, love reading their Bibles, love for hundreds of years, and if, and if, and if suddenly like your blog post is the definitive answer, it's it's really not like yeah. let's just go ahead and a little bit of humility in recognizing um that we, you know we're god's gonna have to straighten us all out mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end of the that doesn't mean we don't hold firmly to to differences of perspective but i think we've got to have a posture of of humility and a willingness to learn from people um that are um in in different theological camps and and tribe i, I i'll give a great example yeah. i know a guy who is um, a good pastor, a good friend of mine, just definitely anti almost anything young wrestlers reform, that kind of thing. Like just but but who has who has said, um, you know, one of the things that has really benefited my preaching from having read and gotten into some of the uh, the conversations uh, about gospel centrality has been this making sure that I'm pointing to Jesus and he's not just example, but as Savior and Lord yeah. in every sermon, in every passage of scripture. He, and he's basically reclaiming a part of his own theological heritage. It's there. Like he didn't really realize it because it kind of had gotten buried. And he's like, I'm actually grateful that in this other wing of the church, this thing got unearthed and it's actually changed in, to some extent and benefited the way I'm, I'm preaching. I think that's the kind of thing that needs to happen um, across the board, no matter what movement we're talking about, spirit-filled, gospel-centered, whatever it is, yeah. that there's that sort of what, what, how, how does my ministry benefit from what God's doing over in this, in this part of the church? Yeah, absolutely. So with that, um, because we talked about this, as, you know, we talked about gospel centrality at its, you know, the greatest fear is that it's a fad. Um, you know, that's that's been something that's been thrown about by various various people um, over the last several years. That the worst thing that could happen is that this is just a flash in the pan. It doesn't last, um, and then we just go back on to doing whatever it is that we were doing before. And you know, whether that's whether that's helpful helpful for the church overall overall or, or not. Um, at best, um, it essentially becomes. Um, just part of the the natural. Well, of, of course, this is yes. You know the DNA. And I'm hoping for that. Absolutely. Outcome. Absolutely. So how can we, how can we help one another move toward move toward that? Well, I I think it's important that we don't insist on certain labels and names in order to to um, to for people to be seen as really getting what we're talking about. Okay. So yeah. I I mean I long for the day. When we don't have a word called gospel-centered preaching, mm-hmm. it's just preaching. <laughs> because by its very nature, everybody understands preaching is going to be gospel-centered. Exactly. Right? Or got, same thing with gospel-centered. I mean, if, if my name could, if the name of my book, Gospel-Centered Teaching, could just be redundant, at one point, I think that would be an excellent place yeah. to be. Um, and there have been times throughout church history where that has been the case. Um, so, so I, I mean, spirit-filled Christians should be redundant, right? Sure. There, there, it should just every Christian should seek to be and want to be spirit-filled. So, uh, so I, 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 I do think it's important though that we don't 
look too much at labels and names and say that's you know because I've seen stuff that kind of fly here's the here's the danger with the fattest stuff yeah I've seen stuff fly under kind of use the terminology of gospel centrality that's really not mm-hmm. it, it, it's either as legalistic as as other things we've seen or as moralistic in other ways so I recognize people see there's some kind of value in the terms because it is buzzword and what and we'll yeah. we'll use the terms so i think we got to be careful that we don't let we don't necessarily think that someone that doesn't use the label isn't and we shouldn't also at the same time think that everybody that uses the label is makes sense makes well, sense yeah and there's two things there that, that one is you're saying if we overuse it then it becomes meaningless that's right and i think that's why we've seen some things become fast before you just get fatigue of that and it's meaningless yeah and so we abandon that the other thing is we've been talking about the more we we try to parse this and 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 cram gospel centrality into a camp the more combative others will get or defensive or hurt or whatever mm-hmm. and we're hurting that cause yeah we, we might be protecting gospel centrality in our in our tribe <clears throat> very specifically but in, in an effort to do that, we're hurting the kingdom yeah. overall. And, and those are the two things I, th- I think just we have to keep in well, mind. Because you're actually building up an alert. If you, if you too closely identify gospel centrality with one theological perspective, you are building up allergies in people yes. from other uh, theological camps, yeah. an allergy to gospel centrality altogether, yeah. which is terrible because this idea of the the grand narrative of scripture it's a worldview thing it's very very important and jesus at the center of everything is vitally important and the connection of mission back to the gospel these things matter and they matter regardless of the 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 camp you find yourself in so Mm -hmm. we should be doing everything we can to see the 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 impetus and the the emphasis of gospel centrality spreading throughout evangelicalism uh without some sort of boundary fencing saying it can only happen as long as everyone yeah. agrees with no, the same it's theological just the theme, perspective. just to, to bang it on again, but it's just this theme of the narcissism that just is rampant in so many of us today that, that as you said, Trevor, you know, we all think uh, that we have something to say and what we have to say matters. Like, hey, this is the first time nobody has ever thought of this. And so I'm going to write this this blog post or whatever. And, and, and this this idea that uh, we are, you know, the, the world revolves around Innovative us. Innovative. And, yeah, yeah, and and, and, and that, I think that just feeds into this <clears throat> to, a, to a great degree. Um, yeah, if nobody's ever thought of it before, you're probably writing yeah, on a heresy. Exactly. Um, or you may be, it's probably a warmed over heresy because those get recycled mm-hmm. too. But. I sure do. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just think humility here is, is just, the, again, yeah. who, who would have thunk it? Just as Christ is humble, so should we be. I know it's it, it, it's revolutionary in how simple it is. Yeah, and if you're arrogant, if you're if you're arrogant about your gospel centrality, it has only in, it's probably only affected your head and has not made it down to your heart. Mm. So I, I just your your tone and your posture can actually betray your message. Yes. We believe that. Right. We believe that is. I mean, this is part of what Jesus talks about with hypocrisy. This is what. Yeah. Um, and but it's so true here. If you're going to be arrogant about grace, then you're you've really undercut your your the power of the own, of yep. the message that you've got. Absolutely. So, um, so just thinking about that for a second, how how can we encourage more humility in in that so that in just let's let's make it real simple because um, we've all met the we've all either been or met. Um, 
folks who have you know really discovered and latched on and to to gospel centrality and have been kind of jerk story about it um how have how, what's a helpful way to guide someone out of that and into more of a humble attitude well I mean, I, it it sounds cliche to say that the the gospel is the answer, but <laughs> the gospel is the answer. No, um, you know, one of the one of the things I like to say is if when you're looking up to God for salvation, you can't look down on anyone else. Mm-hmm. You can't be looking up and down at the same time. So if you're looking down on on others because they haven't somehow arrived at your level of, I don't know, theological expertise or wherever you are in your theological journey, then um, then you you've actually backtracked whether you think you have or not you're you're not in the posture of receiving of grace if you're if you're not willing and able to to extend grace so it really does come back to our own hearts being melted by the uh, the the truth of God's word um, first and first and foremost um, that that said I mean I, there are some other things I think that are helpful I think re, make sure you're reading outside of one theological stream mm-hmm. um, other beneficial places throughout it people say oh, I might get confused if I do that I was like well you might or you could come away with an appreciation for for people that um, love Jesus and love the Bible and just see some things differently than you do mm-hmm. um, so so making sure that you're varying up a little bit your your reading and listening to and just and and you know um and and then w- one other thing i would say is the, the community of faith really matters um you've, you you got to have people around you who will beat some of that out of you not 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 uh physically although sometimes <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah, i'm not not talking about like a fight club thing here i'm just mean <laughs> like you've got to have some people around you that will be like you know you know, gosh, you're you, you're really being a jerk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like someone's got to be able to say, yeah. get you to to show up some of that that silliness and just selfishness that that comes up. Right. Um. And it's and that's a blessing to have. It's yeah. a blessing to have. So the community of faith matters because it reminds us of what's most essential, and it's not scoring theological points, but serving one another in the name of Christ. And that's that's ultimately going to matter more than any of the debates we have. Thanks for listening to this special best of episode of the Hero of the Story. We'll be back next week with another best of as we prepare to launch season two of the show with all new content in August. In the meantime, please leave your rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for more content, please visit gospelproject.com. 